Hey there, it's Carissa, the UFCVM communications intern and pre-vet student. Connecting with people and sharing the desire of your clients for the betterment of their pets can build stronger client relations. Our guest, Katie Heisen, is here to share how she has developed a strong sense of empathy and connection to others. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today is an even-numbered episode, which means we have someone who is not in the veterinary field joining us on this podcast to talk about the people skills found on the VEMCAST letters of recommendation form. And today I have Katie Heisen, who is a friend of mine from the College of Journalism. Katie, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Tell them what you do. Like, what is your job? <laughs> My title is Report for America Corps member <laughs> at WUFT News. I report on equity issues. And reporting, that means I'm talking to all different kinds of people every single day. I'm producing those stories for our website and for radio. So you are the perfect person to come on here to talk to them about empathy. So empathy is one of those 16 to 20 qualities that these students are getting ranked on. On a, Yeah, so it's wild. So I'll tell you how it goes down. So there's these skills like interpersonal communications, reaction to criticism, emotional stability, empathy. And then professionals have to rank these students on a scale of excellent to poor, on like their empathy. I had no idea. It is. Well, yeah. And vet med is such a competitive program to get into. So I think the application process is really trying to find the best candidates who are going to have to be the best veterinarians. Do you have a pet? I wish my landlord won't let me. (laughs) So have you, maybe you've experienced though, when you go to like the doctor, the hairdresser, someone who's a professional and they have to have these people skills. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people think veterinarians, they're working with animals, but a client is bringing in that animal. And so the vet has to be empathetic towards the client. So the fact that you are working with folks on equity issues, Mm -hmm. to me, makes you a great person to talk about (laughs) empathy with. Um, Tell them how you even got into your position, because it's a little bit unique and they've maybe never even heard of a reporter who's specifically looking for these kinds of issues in the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a very odd career background. um, But the reason I went back to school and went into journalism was to specifically to tell stories that belong to people that I didn't see centered in media. So you might hear them talked about, but you rarely see them speaking for themselves. Um, And so I didn't even know the word for that was journalism. I kept saying I want to tell true stories. (laughs) So I got very lucky in getting lured into the NPR newsroom. And because those were the kind of stories I was already focusing on, when an opportunity came along with a grant to report specifically on equity, it was a natural fit. Did something happen like in your childhood that drew you to storytelling? Like what made you want to tell true stories? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, yes, I always loved stories. And I think part of that was just coping through a difficult childhood. Stories were a great escape. Um, and then as I went out into the world, like I just – I was always bad at my job because the thing I wanted to be doing was listening to other people's stories. Mm. So whatever my job was, was not getting done. And I was just asking all these questions. That's funny. Yeah. And wanting to tell other people's stories. And so I didn't realize you could have a job doing that. I know that sounds crazy, but people where I'm from were not journalists. (laughs) And it just wasn't on my radar at all. And so 
now getting to do this every day for my job is like such a treat. Yeah, like you found your why. Oh, I'd, I'd do it for free, but do not tell my <laughs> boss. I definitely want the paycheck. You're definitely, I think, speaking to these students because it sounds like you really have a passion for this work and these types of folks. And these students have a passion for animals and clients. So this is just a great fit and a great matchup. We're talking about empathy. Now, what is your definition of empathy? Do, is it a word that you think about often? Is it part of who you are? Like, what is your, like, relationship with empathy? I don't dig into it in the way that, like, Brene Brown. Gosh, I love, I'm I, not, I love Brene Brown. <laughs> so I'm not, like, I'm not super analytical about it. If I were defining it on the fly right now, I would say it's the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand that if you were in the same set of circumstances and had the same set of life experiences, being able to understand how you might have made the same decisions or you might feel the same way they're feeling about something. Oh, I love that because I think, especially in vet med, a lot of ethical things can come up where let's say a client walks in the door and they want you to they only have $500, mm -hmm. but as the veterinarian, you want them to spend maybe like 3000 to give them that gold standard of care. Mm -hmm. And so being able to put yourself in their shoes and say, okay, how, how would I be if I only had $500? Right. Or if they maybe don't understand the science and the medicine behind it and ask yourself, well, who was I before I understood the science and mm -hmm. the medicine? So I love this idea of how would I feel if I were in their exact circumstances? Mm -hmm. And do we agree that you don't have to have gone through that experience to be empathetic to somebody? No, I almost think the muscle of empathy is the ability to do that when you haven't been. Mm. And I actually think I can find it harder to practice good empathy when my experiences are similar to the person's yes. because it can make you project too much yes. and you start over identifying where you're like, oh, they must feel the same way I do yes. because I went through the same thing mm -hmm. and then you're no longer listening well. Yes. Yeah. So I actually think it's, it's um, you have to be extra careful mm. when you have similar experiences to, to not make assumptions. I, it's a great point because I think sometimes students might feel like really heavy imposter syndrome if they're like, I haven't experienced this, so now maybe I can't relate to them. And that's mm. not true. You mm. have the skills and the critical thinking to put yourself in their shoes. And it really can mm -hmm. almost be an obstacle if you've gone through it. I know for me, um, I've torn you know both ACLs. So whenever I meet someone who's torn their ACL, I try really hard not to assume they went through the same thing that I did because right. that drives me nuts when people come up to me on the street like, oh, I've been there, I've done it too. And I'm like, shh, you don't know what it's like because you're not me. <laughs> right. So I, I, really, I really hear you. Is there something that comes to mind for you where you're like, I've gone through something and somebody else maybe has gone through the same situation, but I, it's helpful when they haven't, like something like that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not to get too deep into it, I've just, I've been through a lot of dysfunction and I think, especially like differences between dysfunctional families, like people assume everyone's dysfunction is the same or that what works with your family would work for my family and those those kind of assumptions are not helpful at all. And 100%. sometimes you're like, I just need you to listen. Yes, yeah. Just <laughs> Don't listen. Give me advice. <laughs> yes. I found that with some friends who have like recently discovered therapy and they're like, oh, wait, I have all of these tips for you now. And I'm like, mm, hold on. 
each person <laughs> is different and like I, I'm so happy that you found this skill but let's all, let's uh, let's just listen to each other for a second because I think they want to fix it right to me that's a big thing with empathy it's not trying to fix the other person absolutely it is listening So I think um, when we're talking about equity in your position, mm-hmm. would we say you're mostly working with vulnerable populations, folks who don't have their voice heard? Yeah, I would almost say I would phrase it as people who the systems of power are not built to serve. Um, and so they're, it's an uneven playing field and th- that can look so many different ways. Yeah. So in your experience, when you first started out, as a reporter, do you feel like you had all of your empathy skills ready to go or you really learned those over time and how did you learn them? It's definitely a learning curve. And what's funny is reporting has really reshaped the way I think about empathy. When I started, I thought of myself as a very empathetic person. Like I would have described that as my strength, but there's there reporting taught me that I was good at being empathetic towards people I was already inclined to be empathetic towards. And it revealed all these groups of people that I like tensed up around that I was combative, that I already felt like um, I was coming at them from an opposing angle. Um, So I can tell you a story. Please. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story that made me radically rethink how I think about empathy. I was out um, reporting in a homeless tent camp and this man starts taunting me. He was like, you're scared. And I said, I'm not scared. And we got into a very childish back and forth where he's like, you are, you're scared. And I go, I'm not scared. And we're going back and forth like children on a playground. Finally, I walk up to him face to face and I say, I'm not scared. I am here to listen. I want to understand your stories. And this man that was being all tough a second ago teared up and he starts to tell me his story. And as he's telling me his story, he's pointing to the shelter. Now these folks were living in tents outside the shelter and he wanted people to understand that everyone was saying they couldn't camp there anymore. They have to go inside the shelter. And he said, but I was incarcerated there. Like from the time I was 16, I spent most of my life incarcerated. Um, and so I don't want to go back inside that fence. It was a, it was a prison that had been turned into a shelter. And he's like, I don't want to go back inside there. And he was also explaining how now, you know, spending most of his life incarcerated, he feels like he didn't learn how to function in society. And, and he mentions that he was incarcerated because he had committed sexual assault. That Those were his charges. Now, m- this was the second story I ever reported. <laughs> and I felt myself when he say that tense up. That's, some, that's an issue that's affected me directly. It affects most women I know, men I know as well. And so I, I tensed up. And my impulse was to not want to listen to the rest of what he had to say. Um, I wanted to be angry. I wanted to end the conversation. I wanted to walk away. But because I was there as a reporter, it forced me to stop, set aside what I was feeling in that moment, not view him only through the lens of that thing he had done, and to to continue to listen to what he was saying. And so I kept asking questions, kept listening, and he started to cry. And at the end, he said, 
you are the first person who has ever listened to my story. And I, it changed the way I think about empathy because it made me realize that it's something you don't need to agree with a person on what they're saying. You don't need to condone something they've done. Um, you're not making a judgment on whether they're a good or bad person. Empathy is something you can practice with anyone and it only makes you better. It makes you more capable. And for me, it's made me a stronger person as I navigate the world. And it also makes your interactions more productive no matter who the person is. So you, the conversation will be better. You will get more out of it if you practice empathy. And I say that not... I'm not telling people they have to, right? Empathy is not an obligation, and especially when you've been hurt by someone or it's not a fruitful, sometimes empathy is not helpful <laughs> in certain in the context of certain relationships. And so I'm not telling people they have to, but I am saying for me, even someone being so hurt by um, people similar to this man, that interaction was good for me. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> because it's a such a good story and so many layers to unpack of how to kind of approach empathy, the importance of empathy, but you also said sometimes empathy is not appropriate. So what mm -hmm. I hear Okay, so what I hear you saying is you're in this situation, you meet this man, you're curious about the story, right? We're just interested. And then we find out like, wait a second, like something in our in us goes up in our guard of like, wait, I this is a this is an activator for me. Mm -hmm. Typically I don't want to listen, but mm -hmm. for your situation, you're on the job and you're like, I'm I'm gonna listen. I'm I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working. So I think we should first recognize students is the key piece to empathy is listening. Mm -hmm. And when you're listening to your clients, something might come up in a in a conversation that could mm -hmm. be on your radar of like, uh-oh, like an uh-oh moment. I don't want to be here. Yeah. And you can choose in that mm -hmm. moment, is it appropriate to keep listening or to move forward? Mm -hmm. You're going to be doing this on the job. So probably a lot of times you will keep listening to this mm -hmm. client. And then you, what I hear Katie saying is those feelings and those emotions came up and you kind of said like, I'm going to put those on the back burner for now mm -hmm. so I can stay present in this conversation. Right. And I bet you went back later and looked at that and how it made you feel. Mm -hmm. So in the moment, stayed professional, kept those listening ears on mm -hmm. and then ended up learning something about mm -hmm. this man and his story. And it sounds like it really helped you grow as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I love that even though those emotions came up, you stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that will happen a lot because especially in vet med, there's a lot of emotionally charged conversations. Mm -hmm. And a client might come in angry in the beginning and, and we might have a an assumption of who that person is, like, oh, this is just an angry client. But then the more they talk and the more we listen, we might find out like, uh-oh, like they've had a really hard day or this pet has been with them their whole life. And how the man said that the, there was a reason he didn't want to go back in that shelter. He had a really good reason because it was his prison. So staying curious with that empathy but also I like this point of like, if you're in a maybe like a toxic relationship, you don't right. need to be empathetic to exactly. that person. Yes, yes. You can move <laughs> on. Right. So if it, it, for, for the purpose of this podcast, if you have a client who is abusive towards you, we often say like, it's okay to fire clients if you need yeah. to. And so maybe go so far with the empathy. But if you know this isn't going anywhere and this isn't a productive relationship for mm -hmm. your business, it might be time to move on. It might not be the right moment to be empathetic with that person. 
that's a damn good example of building <laughs> empathy muscles. Okay, so then after that story, do you keep that story with you? Like, do you think about him when you're dealing with like a, maybe a difficult um, like reporting situation? Yeah, I think about him every now and then. But what it did is it it set the ball rolling for me to grow in empathy with each reporting experience I have. And I'll tell you, I have never once <laughs> when I reporting has revealed to me how many assumptions I make every day oh, about situations, <laughs> yeah. about people. Yeah. And the thing about reporting is that you don't get to hold on to those assumptions. The process of reporting forces you to talk to people you are different from to ask some questions and because there's this whole process of objectivity of fact checking you're challenging your assumptions and guess what no are they often wrong they're wrong no. every time <laughs> i hate that i've never been right or even no. when you're on the right track it's never a complete picture it's either incomplete or it's flat out wrong. I've learned how stupid I am uh, in, the lo in a loving. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. Like you, stupid <laughs> meaning you just didn't know. Stupid St meaning you've just been making assumptions left and right. Oh my god, I hate and, this. I hate yeah, this. and you thought you were so you were so sure of yourself, and reporting has really made me much slower to judge. And people, I think people often think of empathy in terms of, um, oh yeah, I can have empathy for they'll think of these marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. My challenge with empathy is actually, I have to work on empathy towards people with a lot of power or a lot of wealth. Ugh. That's where I tend to make the most assum wrong okay. assumptions sure. often. Sure. And so I think that the other thing for people to consider is um, to be slower to pat themselves on the back of like, I'm empathetic. Mm. Okay, well, set aside who you're good at being empathetic yes. with. Who do you find it really hard to be empathetic Oh my God, with? Katie. <laughs> and work on that. You're right. It's like whatever comes easy to us and maybe naturally to us mm -hmm. is not what's making us better professionals. Right. It's That's going not in the, the growth. It's not the growth. It's going in the opposite direction. This season, we've been talking a lot about fixed versus growth mindset. Mm. And so I could see for a lot of folks, maybe it would be easier to be empathetic towards the folks who maybe it, it is naturally like they're the underdogs. Right. It's a little exactly. bit more natural to be empathetic towards them. But when you say like folks in positions of power, my thought is like, yeah, why do I need to be empathetic right. towards them? <laughs> but their stories often maybe aren't told appropriately. Mm -hmm. We have assumptions about them. We see maybe folks with like a lot of money who are in these positions of power and we don't really know what they're dealing with, their mm -hmm. dysfunction, their backstory and having to set aside. It sounds like you're, what I hear you saying is like you're setting aside ego. Yes. Yes. Ego, assumptions. Oh, I hate this. My need to be right. I hate this. <laughs> and, and it doesn't mean that you're not still holding someone accountable. Absolutely. It does not mean you're not still setting boundaries. Yeah, right. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're in a position of power and I'm reporting and you've done some shady-ish. Yeah. I'm going to report Yes, it. you are. Yes, you are. Yes. But from a fair and just, like, fair. justice standpoint. And complete. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still going to flex that muscle of putting myself in your shoes and trying to understand everything that led up to this. Mm. Um, and the story is always better for it because it's, it's truer. It's mm. truer to life. And you can tell when you read a true story, it rings truer. And part of that is that nuance that you – and that three – 
three-dimensionality yeah. <laughs> yeah. that you only get when you stay curious, mm. when you work past your assumptions. Oh, boy. Does it sound like what I'm hearing you say is to have empathy, you also have to have a lot of self-awareness. You yes. have to know what your pain points are. You have mm -hmm. to maybe know your biases. Mm -hmm. You have to know what kinds of things bother you, irritate you, that you get excited for because mm -hmm. you might be more attracted to those things. And you might be leaving other people out, other yes. options out. How are we building our self-awareness then with empathy? Yeah, a lot of introspection. I also, um, I think a good way to like test these things in more of a lab setting before you're unleashing yourself on real people in the world is to just read a lot of fiction oh. or to to consume a lot of media by people who are from a different life experience or perspective than you yeah and like think about how these things are hitting you and mm -hmm. why certain things interest you more than others and yeah that's a really good piece of advice is to maybe list out some of your identities and then go and seek fiction or media from someone who comes from different backgrounds, mm -hmm. different identities. Do you have maybe like, is are there any stories or media that stand out to you that have helped you? Hmm. Hmm. I'd, I'd have to sit and really, I'd have to sit and think about it, but I'm a, I'm a huge reader and I've been reading from a very young age. And I think that, you know, I grew up in a, a, a small rural town, there were a lot of things around me that could have influenced me to to be racist, to mm -hmm. have, um, to be bigoted in various different ways. Sure. And I think reading kept my mind soft and inclined towards empathy in a way maybe it wouldn't have wow. otherwise. And so I just... I would just tell people, like, and it doesn't have to be reading. If you're not a reader, sure. if you want to watch a TV show or whatever, but to constantly immerse yourself in other people's experiences mm. until you lose that thing in your head mm -hmm. that says, my experience is is it. Is right. Is the dominant experience. Yeah, sure. Like, immerse yourself so much until you move through the world understanding mm -hmm. you are one tiny piece. So tiny. And... And everyone you pass is coming through life with a different filter than you. Staying super open-minded. I, I also heard something the other day. My sister read a book, and she's like, instead of approaching somebody like, what's wrong with them? Mm. Saying like, what happened to them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes it's nothing bad. It's just like how someone was raised and, and asking yourself like, because if I'm saying, what's wrong with you? That's me. I'm on the defense. But like what happened here? What happened to you? Who are you? That's much more curious, fascinated. Yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're going to church today. We're, going, we're at church. We have arrived. Okay. I think it is really helpful because even in the classroom, I see DVM students see folks with different opinions than them. So let's take like vegans versus meat eaters. Mm -hmm. Very strong beliefs and mm -hmm. values in either one of those areas. And maybe empathy is I can listen, I can stay calm, I can have a conversation with this person, I don't have to agree with them. Mm -hmm. But I can I can be in the moment present with them and still respect them. 
And sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes mm-hmm. folks are like, I'm not even talking to them. I don't want to. I'm not interested. We're too different. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have issues like long term. Mm-hmm. If we were say we t- we're too different. So what are some things they can think about to stay in those maybe difficult conversations for them when they're with someone who has such a different viewpoint than them, but to still be able to stay calm and curious? Yeah, here's the thing. You're not going to get anything out of it if all you do is focus on your side of it and reiterating things that you already know and believe. <laughs> right. You're going to walk away from that conversation feeling like you just wasted 10 minutes arguing with someone and you haven't changed or learned or grown in any mm-hmm. way. You're only going to gain like our time on this earth is short. It is. It's valuable. If you're going to spend 10 minutes getting into it with someone, at least you want to get something out of that. And the best way to do that is to stay curious and try to learn something new about that person or about just an idea you hadn't considered before. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily change your viewpoint or meet them halfway. We don't need to to compromise every time. No. But at least leave with more understanding than you started the conversation with so you get your time's worth out of that interaction. I almost see it like a game. Like let's (laughs) approach each conversation with, we all have someone, I'll say challenging that we are around, that we work with in our family, in our friend group. And maybe if we look at it like, ooh, Mm-hmm. I'm about to approach this person. What am I going to get out of this? Totally. That I think will be really helpful for those of you who are like competitive, like me, and <laughs> and you don't want to feel like you wasted your time. So it can be like, how can I, and even maybe what you get out of it is like, wow, I stayed really mature in that moment. I made mm-hmm. really good eye contact. I did <laughs> active listening. I It made me value my friends and family even more. Mm-hmm. But just asking, what can I get out of this to where we can both walk away feeling productive instead of like defeated Mm -hmm. and the the best exercise and this was this is was really hard for me before I started reporting is to try an exercise where you just decide the next person that you talk to especially if it's someone very different than you see how long you can go only asking them questions unless they ask you a question back and just pre- say, just tell yourself, I'm only going to speak if they ask me a question. I'm just going to keep asking them questions about what they're saying. It will change the kinds of conversations you have. And it it really forces that empathy growth. Because it's not about you anymore. It's about them. Mm-hmm. Is that part of it? Like just making, because I know I think I see in the classroom, I see students like raising their hand while their professor is still talking. Yeah. And I'm like, they are no longer listening. They're right. thinking about what they need to say next. And I think that happens a lot in conversations too. We're not, I'll use I terms, sometimes I'm not present and I want to get to my next point. But if we're like, no, I'm going to stay in this conversation and I'm just going to ask them questions about themselves. I have to be listening mm-hmm. because my next question has to be about what they just said. Mm-hmm. So it really becomes about the other person. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. It's yeah, and it's it also totally changes the nature of the interaction. I think people are really guarded when they feel like they're trying to fight for you to understand them or hear them and they yes. don't they don't okay. trust you to Absolute. be listening. Right. And so yes. asking those questions like it just softens the conversation. And I find usually they're more open back. Uh, to be curious about you back because you they feel respected and heard so they're not they no longer feel the need to like keep driving at it they Mm -hmm. feel heard so now they're open to 
listening back. You're playing the long game when you do that. Yeah. You might not see results immediately, but you are planting the seed of, I care about you. I'm listening to you. I value your time and your energy. And that person probably eventually will come back around Mm -hmm. and that trust will have been built Mm -hmm. on your end. Oh, Katie, it's good advice. (laughs) You're married. Yes. (laughs) Do you find, talk about in a relationship, like a a closer relationship, Uh what does empathy look like there? Because I am not married, but I've heard that, you know, we can uh, be maybe the harshest with the ones Mm -hmm. we love the most and the ones who we have unconditional love for. So how does empathy look in a a strong relationship? Mm -hmm. It really helps with conflict. Like you're entering these difficult conversations or when you're having a disagreement with the objective not of I'm going to win or I need us to agree on my side by the end of it. You enter into conversations with my primary purpose right now is to understand where this person is coming from and why. Oh, God. And and the thing that the new thing I've been working on that is really challenging for me, especially from how I grew up, I don't like when people express anger, which I'm sure happens in vet med a lot. Yeah. Anger or emotions where I can feel attacked by that. Right. I'm learning to actually anger people's emotions contain a lot of information Mm. and you're going to miss the information if you feel threatened by it. Mm -hmm. And so I try to now to be curious and say, wow, (laughs) in this case, my husband, this was really upsetting to him. Right. So why does this matter so much to him? What about it makes this significant? What am I not already seeing? Yes. Um, and I think that's something that people can practice, too, in the office yeah, with clients. Absolutely. With friends. So, Katie, it's hard, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't you think it's hard? And it's and we're never going to stop learning how to do it. And the only way we're going to get better is to practice it. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking resources for mm-hmm. these pre-veterinary students, you mentioned just practicing the, we'll say the game of asking questions, like mm-hmm. asking that person more and more questions about them. We talked about reading and consuming mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. Are there other resources for them to like learn more about empathy, to practice mm-hmm. empathy? What would we say? I would say the number one thing is to to assess what your day-to-day life looks like, especially in your free time. Who are you spending it with? Where are you spending it? Can you at least move in the direction of spending more time in pockets of the community you're not normally in, around types of people you're not normally around, and think about intentionally displacing yourself in that way. I think that's a great first step. I think optimistically, I think most human beings are naturally wired for empathy. We just need to give to put ourselves in situations that require us to flex it. Yeah. And so that means getting out of our comfort zone and our bubbles that we're spending all our time in. Like we tend to go to the same handful of places and be around the same handful of people. So just think like, where can I go that's new to me? Mm-hmm. How, yeah. Right. Because if our circle looks like us, sounds like us, has similar experiences, it's going to be trickier to practice empathy because yeah. it, it could be easy to practice empathy towards ourselves and some and folks who are like us. So mm-hmm. we, we have to get intentional. Like you said, like intentionally setting aside time. And, and I'm going to call this an empathy adventure. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone who is very into to-do lists and goals, maybe once a month, you're like, and grab some pre-vet students, go with each other and say, let's go on an empathy adventure. Mm-hmm. I think a, an easy way to maybe do this would be volunteering. Mm-hmm. Go and volunteer in the community. I mean, if you are in Gainesville, there's so many volunteer opportunities. There's lots that you can do to get exposed to others. I also think like colonialism is real. So if you find an organization you love, maybe sticking with that organization and Mm -hmm. not doing like a one-off, I dropped in, I helped and I never Uh go back. Mm -hmm. So if you find a community or in an area that is different than yours, that you really find a like a connection to, maybe stick with that Mm -hmm. one as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. And I would even recommend go a step farther and see if you can, um, ironically, I feel like sometimes the volunteering role can prevent prevent us from meeting people on an even level that lets us mm. uh, get that deep sure, with them. Sure. And so um, not <laughs> obviously please go volunteer. Right, right. But also like take a step farther and see if you can also cultivate relationships with people outside of that role where you're learning and receiving from them mm-hmm. um, can really help. Okay, I, and I, what I hear you saying is potentially volunteering does put someone almost in like, I don't want to say a position of power, but kind of like you're giving back to help someone who's in need. And we want to make it an even playing field, like mm-hmm. sitting down with somebody and both of you sharing and, and getting back from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the power imbalance there already sets it up where your conversations can't be what they would be no. outside of it. I, <laughs> I used to... Um, I used to assist workers in the sex industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and there was a, a program where if they wanted to leave the industry, then they could go through this program. They'd have shelter, support, um, you know, job training, all this kind of stuff. But the, <laughs> every time we had volunteers come out from the outside to like bring in meals or things like that, they assumed I was one of the women in the oh, program. Heavens. Yeah. And so, but it was good because I experienced what it feels like. To be talked to. Yes. And people do not realize how weird they're being. Interesting. Like the way they're looking at you. Yep. And it, and honestly, I think it's probably hitting on that difference between sympathy and empathy. Totally. Like a pity yes. moment. Like, yes. oh, hi, how are you doing? Instead yes. of meeting you like a real human. Yes. And I've never been spoken to or interacted with that way mm. in my life. Mm. And so... Yeah, just realizing also my privilege of not moving through the world, having people look at me this way or totally. talk to me this way. Yes. So, and I'm I, I don't want the message at all to be volunteering is bad. Don't volunteer. No, 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 no. That's what, what we're taking away. What I am saying is also yes. Seek ways to be in these spaces where you take yourself out of that position of right, power, right. and and you'll find I think you'll find a lot of richness to those relationships. What I really like that you said about the interaction you had when you were assisting the sex workers was it was a good thing that you were spoken to like that because you got to experience it. I don't know how it felt in that moment, right? You said it was like awkward and oh, like you've never been spoken to that way. But I think if students, if we can start taking the challenging moments and saying like, okay, this is hard right now, but in a week or a month or a year, I'm going to look back on this and and I'm glad this happened to me. Mm -hmm. And there are always going to be lots of people in the world that you are not going to see eye to eye with. No. And the better you get at navigating those people, which nothing works better than empathy, honestly, to make those interactions better and yeah. more productive. And so the savvier you get at that, the the better time you will have 
in this short life. It, is, <laughs> it really is true. It really isn't about, it's not about winning. It's not about making them see my point of view. It's understanding where they're at because literally, and you're right about storytelling, hearing other stories. I've experienced this myself. The second someone shares a story of an experience I haven't had, but they have had, makes me so much more aware of what they're going through, what others might be going through, how I've behaved. So hearing from folks who you disagree with, it's just going to help you have a better relationship with them and make your life, it's going to make your time and your life a lot better and more, and like you said, more rich and less frustrating. Amen. (laughs) Church concludes. God, yes, amen. Katie, we always ask our guests to give our listeners one piece of advice. So these are students who are preparing for a pretty, not only a rigorous curriculum, but a very intense application process. You've applied to grad school. You've gone through grad school. But do you? what advice do you have that you think would really help somebody who's in this time where they're, they're searching, they're trying to get that dream? Like you're in your dream, it sounds like right now. Like you found that position where you really find your value. What advice do they need to hear from you? Mm-hmm. Shoot your shot. <laughs> if, if you want something... This changed my life when I realized you ask for whatever you want. The worst thing that can happen is that you get told no, you're no farther back than you were. If you see something and you think I'm not qualified for it, apply anyway. If you have an idea but it doesn't exist yet but you want it, ask people who can maybe make that happen. Um, Ask, ask, ask. And I would say be really introspective about what exactly you want Say yes to everything that moves you in that direction. Say no to everything that doesn't. And it's impossible not to build momentum. Yes. If your goal is vet school and an opportunity comes your way and you ask yourself, does this move me towards that goal or not? And if it does, say yes. And if it doesn't, say no. Unless it's something you really want to do. Katie, this has been such a valuable conversation. I'm so happy that you found time to do this with us and that you really have lived an empathetic life, I think. (laughs) Um, So thank you for your time and helping us feel more empathetic, have actual tools to get more empathetic and understand the value of empathy. It was fun. Thank you. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon. Should I have my mic pointed like yours is? Do you this know can help I, because then the plosion. Which, like, I was literally, I was just thinking, I'm like, is she doing that because of the peas? It Do is, you think this is better? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I'll cut this out.